May God add his blessing to reading of the scripture this morning. May the words from my mouth be just what we need. For good parents, it's natural to protect their kids and to be example, be a good example to their kids in tough times. I think it's fitting that our text today falls on Father's Day. This is a story about disciples who were caught in a terrible storm, as we just talked about. They need courage. They need leadership. They need parenting. And they need an example of how to face a challenge that's bigger than they are. If we've ever been through a storm like that, if you've ever been through a storm like that in your life, you know that you need some help along the way. And I hope that you'll get something out of today's message. Our story begins at the end at the beginning of a tip, at the end of a typical day for Jesus and his disciples. He's been teaching huge crowds of people by the Sea of Galilee. The crowds have gone home and it's time to pack up and head to the next ministry spot in Gerasenes, which we call Jordan. It must have been a long day. Jesus went to the back of the boat to catch a nap. And then suddenly a storm comes up. And then it says that so much water broke over the boat that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. The disciples went and they woke him up and said, Jesus, wake up! Don't you care if we drown? There's a corporate training company that's called Survival Systems. Survival Systems has a leadership and development uh, and team development program that simulates surviving real, surviving a real plane crash or a real ship sinking at sea. So what they'll do is they will take a group of your employees and they'll take them out into the ocean and they'll put them into a situation that simulates having to escape from a sinking ship. And the training program involves teaching them terms like raft evacuations, underwater escape, surface water survival, jumping from a height, and they even teach them how to be rescued. One purpose of the training program is to improve stress control and to build leadership skills. How would you react, I wonder? How would I, in a situation like that? What would a life-threatening storm prove about our skills and our ability to handle extreme, extreme stress? Maybe if we can imagine ourselves in a tiny plane being damaged by a storm that is starting to tear our plane apart, we can begin to appreciate the terror that this storm might have caused in the hearts of the disciples. Now, it must have been a bad one on the Sea of Galilee that day because we know that these things happen to this day on the Sea of Galilee because of its location and for various reasons that I won't go into. Uh, squalls come up often and there are storms. But this must have been a really bad one because they were really afraid. Most of the time, I would think they would not be. But it says that the wind and the waves threatened to swamp their little boat, 
And some of these guys, you know, were professional fishermen. They'd been sailing on the sea since they were little boys. They'd been in a lot of storms. So this must have been a difficult one if they really thought that it was possible that they were going to die. They were so afraid that they went and woke Jesus up and said, don't you care? Don't you care if we die? Well, many of us, I think, I know I have, asked God that question. At some time in our lives, we hit a storm, not just a stressful event, not just a little crisis, but something really big comes up or a season of life comes along. And it's so devastating, so hard to understand why that we don't have the strength to face it on our own, and we know that. And we ask ourselves, where is God? Where is Jesus? Is he asleep? And we wanted to ask God, don't you care? And I have asked God that question. You see what's happening to me? Don't you even care? Everybody goes through storms at some time or another in life. It's a part of being in the human race. Our storm could be marriage problems. The American Institute of Stress has a stress inventory that ranks certain life events and their negative impact on a person's life. The death of a spouse ranks as the number one most stressful life event with divorce and marital separation from the mate as the second and third most stressful events that you can face. So a healthy marriage is really important. And when that marriage is in trouble or when one of the partners is lost, the one who's left goes through a lot of grief. One writer named Laura Petherbridge calls divorce the sole deep accuser. After her husband had an affair and ended their marriage, she says that she contemplated suicide. She says that she knew she could not survive this pain without Jesus. But she felt so ashamed that she wanted to hide from him too. She felt unworthy to come to God for help when she really desperately needed him the most and needed to be assured of God's love. She wrote these words, rejection hauntingly whispers. You ever hear these voices in your mind? You're a loser. You're unlovable. You're a failure. You know what? You deserve what you got. You'll never be loved again. Some of you understand this pain because you've heard those words. Most marriages face storms of some kind over the years. Some don't make it through the storm, but thank God, some do. The loss of a loved one is also a terrible storm with devastating effects. William Sloan Coffin was a very popular pastor who lost his son Alex in a car accident. He says that he got lots of cards and phone calls and visits from friends and church members and fellow pastors. He says that most of them had no idea what to say, no idea how to comfort him. And he said the least helpful people 
were his fellow pastors. They would quote scripture to him a lot, but they didn't understand his grief. And he wrote, the depth of my grief made those words they were saying unreal. And the worst part is when these times come, Jesus seems to be asleep. Why doesn't he do something? Where are you, God? Don't you care that I'm about to perish? I've just lost the only person I've ever loved. My house is gone. I've lost my job. I can't find another one. Where are you? Reynolds Price, in his book called Letter to a Man on Fire, wrote about getting a letter from a young man named Jim. Jim had just been diagnosed with cancer. Price himself had survived his own battle with cancer a few years earlier, and Jim was writing to him because he knew that Price would understand his fear and would understand his questions. And Jim wrote, I want to believe in a God who cares because I may meet him sooner than I had expected. I think I'm at a point where I can accept the existence of God, but I can't yet believe that God cares about me. I want to believe in a God who cares. That's the question that we all wrestle with sometime in our lives. And if God does care about us, the famous question, right, Pastor Kay? We hear it over and over and over again. If God loves me, why does he let these bad things happen to me? Why do bad things happen to good people? May I suggest that he lets the storms happen for reasons? And we can see some of the answers in today's lesson. This story begins to at least answer that question. Jesus does care. When the storms of life are raging, he does care. When it seems you can't hold on a minute longer, he does care. When the waters are looking like they're going to swamp our boat, he does care. Remember this. Jesus had all the power in heaven and earth available to him. He chose to empty himself of this power and to come here and take on the life of an average human. He chose to endure hardship. He chose to endure oppression from the Roman government, rejection from the religious establishment, and from his own family. He chose to be hungry. He chose to be lonely. He chose to be abandoned. He chose to be betrayed by his closest friends. He chose to suffer a wrongful arrest and torture and humiliation and death. Jesus chose to put himself into some of those storms that we can imagine because he had faith that God was using those storms. Listen, that God was using those storms for a greater purpose. In that case, it was to save the world. Jesus chose to place himself in every imaginable storm because he knew God Almighty was with him every step of the way. And guess what? God Almighty is with you 
every step of the way. That's how Jesus could face those storms, and that's how we can. There was a man named Glenn Shrivener who prayed to God, said, God, I want to get to know you better. I want to grow closer to you. Within a week of praying that prayer, he lost his job. His girlfriend, longtime girlfriend, broke up with him. And his parents announced that they were divorcing after being married for many, many years. During all these painful events, he realized something. God was using these storms to answer his prayer. Be careful what you ask for. Don't ever pray for patience. I did that once and I'll never do it again. <laughs> Life often leads us into challenging situations. Sometimes it'll lead us right into a storm. But it's not because God doesn't love us. It's not because God wasn't prepared for it. It's because we can't understand the power and the peace of God unless we experience the storms. And yes, we can even experience that power and that peace in the middle of the storm. The best way to grow closer to God is to be caught in a storm with him. That's a lesson that the disciples needed to learn that day, and there was no other way they could learn it but to be in that storm. So the disciples wake Jesus up, and he speaks to the wind and the waves, Peace! Be still. And the wind stops, and all is calm. Then he turns to his disciples and says, Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? The question is, life is not how many storms we must pass through. The question is whether we have faith as we pass through those storms. All of us, have and will continue to encounter a storm from time to time. Maybe today. This afternoon it's supposed to storm. Oh, that's a different kind of storm. But sometimes, you know, it will seem as if God has left us, has forsaken us. In times like this, that's when we need our faith. A few years ago, a woman named Chastity Patterson lost her father. After he passed away, she continued to send text messages to her father's phone daily. She just wanted to feel like he was still there. And so she would text him and tell him about her day at the end of his day, at the end of her day. And it was a good way of dealing with her storm of grief. She'd lost her dad. For four years, she continued to text her dad's old phone number. And then one day, she got a reply. Just before the fourth anniversary of her dad's death, she got this text from his old number. My name is Brad, and I lost my daughter in a car wreck four years ago. And your messages have kept me alive. When you text me, I know it's a message from God. Brad texted that he was proud of how Chastity had managed the challenges in her life over the past four years. She posted their exchange 
on social media for people to see. She wanted to show her friends and her family that there is a God, and it might take four years, but he shows up right on time. That's what the disciples learned from that storm. There is a God, and he shows up right on time. Not on my time, not on your time. And that's why we get frustrated, but right on time, every time. How many storms must we pass before we really begin to believe that God loves us? What does it take to get it through my thick skull, I ask myself, to understand how very much he loves us and that he's promised that he will never, ever, ever, ever forsake us. Do we believe that? Do we really believe it? When the clouds get dark, do we believe that behind the clouds, the sun still shines? If we say we believe it, that's one thing. But I mean, do we really, really, deep down inside, believe it? If we do, we can weather any storm, even the very worst. If we do not, then I, may I suggest that today is the day that we begin to ask God to give us that faith. Amen.